and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, demand is back, but so is disruption. Now the blame game is underway as airlines struggle to keep pace as services ramp up. And what needs to happen next as the industry plots a course to net zero by 2050? This episode of the Airline Business Podcast is brought to you by GE Aviation. My name's Graham Dunn and joining me is Airline Business Editor, Lewis Harper. Hi Graham, how are you? Yes, good, not too bad at all. And here we are in the UK, we just enjoyed a celebratory weekend and um, for airlines, especially in the UK, um, but not, not exclusively there, it's not been a very celebratory weekend. No, it isn't. It's kind of the headlines. I mean, we've talked about this. We kind of relaunched the podcast um, and in a few episodes and it feels like we can't get away from this this topic because it is kind of certainly, as you say, in the UK, dominating, dominating the uh, the uh, well, the mainstream media and you know, even before we think about what we're covering. So, yeah, it continues to be a big story. It, it's a situation that doesn't seem to be getting any better. And I think because in the UK it's been going on and on now for a while and people are worried about what is going to come when, you know, when we reach July, August kind of school holiday time, when it really is the peak of summer demand. I think there's almost a switch now towards a, more of a blame game. Yeah, and I think for airlines, it's, it's, it's particularly galling. I mean, whether all airlines have handled the situations as well as they might do is sort of another question, I guess. But certainly the idea that airlines who, in still in January had no idea yeah. whether they were going to be able to operate in the summer you know and the one consistent message airlines gave throughout this crisis has been we need some sort of certainty in terms of what the operating environment is going to be like and so that is without question that that does become a challenge doesn't it yeah so what we've seen is you know more than one I think minister from the UK government has come out and suggested that UK airlines did not staff up properly for for the summer so it's essentially their fault what's happening so it's not just airlines of course this is a, an issue across the, the chain really and um, including obviously airports where there's quite a lot of high profile stories about the queues we're seeing there um, but as you say the the it's a bit galling for the for the industry to hear that they've been through the biggest crisis um, in the industry's history uh, as you say you know in January we were still dealing with the Omicron variant that had you know if airlines didn't want some visibility about you know, 2022, that was really kiboshed by the arrival of the Omicron variant. And it really wasn't until we're into February that there was a strong sense that that you know, wasn't quite going to be the set, set things back too badly. And you know, it's not unreasonable to suggest that maybe a business that at that point would was suddenly confident enough to start taking on you know, overstaffing and, and, and things like that would have been considered quite reckless given what's just happened. I mean, there, there, there's a, you know, an understandable instinct to be cautious. Um, but having said that, obviously, you know, airlines choose their schedules. They've, they've committed to them. They've, they've been selling them. But you know, there, there are plenty more reasons why this is happening. And it's um, clearly will be an element somewhere where maybe the industry will learn from this. But yeah, for anyone to come out and say the, the industry is um, to blame for this, I think, is, um, is is a bit rich, particularly when it comes from the, the government. And I'm not suggesting the government was doing anything wrong by being cautious about the, the COVID. But this is just the reality of what we've been been living through. I think what what we have seen is, you know, when we 
spoke about this a month or so ago, you know, airlines at the time thought they were doing, they were taking steps, taking measures to get this. They were cutting some flights out of the schedule. They were, EasyJet's talking, it's quite innovative, um, where having less, um, less seats on board, some of its aircraft. So airlines were doing things. And I think there was a, a feel they could, they could keep pace with it. But, that, you know, those holiday spikes in traffic, are, I mean, they're difficult for the, the airline ecosystem to uh, keep up within the best of times, let alone in this ramp up period. Yeah, it is an overused word, but it is unprecedented what airlines have been through and, and coming out of it. I think the this whole story is, is interesting again from the UK perspective, is because there's there are related issues, but you know, big queues at airports to shop from there and the cancellation of flights aren't necessarily the same thing. And actually when you look at the hard data, the number of flights being cancelled historically is is a bit up on what we saw pre-COVID in you know, the equivalent, let's just say that the um, May half term we've just seen. But it's not unusual for there to be disruption around this time, you know, in pre-COVID time. So there's kind of just a perfect storm of stories happening here and it all gets mixed up in one. And, and clearly, you know, anecdotally, we've been talking about, I think it feels like anyone on the short haul flight from the UK at the moment is um, seems to have some level of disruption to that, whether it's flight change or cancellation or, or whatever. So, so yeah, it's, it's a big deal, but particularly when you're affected directly by it. But yeah, it's, it's the, the reasoning for it goes, and again, in the UK perspective, as you go beyond that, a global perspective, and a lot of economists, there's a shortage of, of available labour at the moment. That That's not an issue that's unique to the airline industry. Again, when we talk about the government blaming airlines for this, I think the government will also acknowledge that in service sectors, for example, across the economy, there's a, a shortage of staff. And there are particular reasons why the airline industry and, and that service sector as a whole is, is struggling in that environment because you know hours can be antisocial. People who were let go by airlines, airports during the pandemic might have found jobs that are nine to five, get, get their weekends back, that kind of thing. Um, and when there's a, a shortage of, of available staff, you know, people will be offered jobs on, on decent terms that will perhaps give them more of a social life, for example. So, yeah, there's there's kind of a, a bit of a challenge. And, you know, the key point beyond the blame game is what, what actually happens next. And you touched on it. We know that you know, the, this was foreseen to a point, you know, more than one airline was talked about um, this summer being a challenge from a staffing perspective. And, you know, essentially within that is, a, is an admission that there's only so much they can do. And other things playing into this, weather issues, ATC issues. Yeah, there's there's lots of things in play that have made it worse. And then obviously, it just gets exacerbated. So, you know, airlines, it's not unusual. As we know, in pre-COVID times, for there to be an IT meltdown, for example. But if, if you get a minor IT issue on top of, you know, not having enough staff on standby, suddenly, you know, there's a chain reaction. You've got, you know, flights delayed, cancelled everywhere. So it's a tough one. And I guess, yeah, as I say, the point is, you know, how is this going to resolve itself? And I think, unfortunately, that given some of the underlying issues are economy-wide, there is a point where clearly... Perhaps the airline and air travel industry is going to have to be more competitive um, to, to, to get the staff in, but also perhaps certainly over the next few months and possibly beyond, there, there maybe needs to be more of that lateral thinking we've seen from the likes of EasyJet on reducing seats on flights and making sure they can serve that, the flights that they sell and that we aren't in this situation where we are. And this situation is, is, is really surreal, really, in terms of to what extent you could predict this was coming you know, there is a, this is both a negative and a positive story. And the positive story is the strength of demand. Mm. You know, even in, even with inflation, uh, cost of living pressure put on people, demand is 
has managed to stay uh, incredibly strong during this, despite you know a string of factors which might make you think you know oh okay um, people will be um, tightening their belts and so forth. Now all of that feels like it might still be there, but just not this summer. This is the thing, yeah, yeah, as you say, we we I guess if we hadn't had COVID and we had all the economic pressures we have at the moment, I think that you would be thinking, well, this summer's not going to be great. This is, but as you say, what what's unusual about this situation is what demand appears to be holding. And I think part of the again talking about the reasons for the the challenges, operational challenges in in some markets at the moment, is that demand is is really trending above what industry expected. Looking into this summer, um, you know, we all talked about pent up demand, but you know, we're never quite sure, you know, whether it was going to come back. And I remember in the dark days of the pandemic you know discussions about is this a fundamental change in the level of demand for travel listening to ed bastian delta ceo talking the other day he's saying that consequence of the pandemic will people will be that people travel more so that the kind of travel demand will settle at a higher level than we saw in 2019 because people are, don't take it for granted anymore so lots of the, the doom laden predictions maybe during covid and it was different not to predictions not to take on on that character during uh, some of the points um, over the past two years but yeah we what we're seeing is is very strong demand in leisure markets particularly and that's not helping the situation because um, so many people want to travel um, and yeah and airlines in the early build-up to these kind of busier weeks would have been you know, confidently adding flights in or you know holding firm on their schedules thinking well this demand is looking fantastic and unfortunately in some markets we've ended up in this sort of um, messy situation in another world this would have been absolute boom time and um, yeah, and the point it still will be. And I think what's going to be interesting is when we get the results in this period as well from airlines and some of the kind of hard data on exactly how many flights they're operating and that kind of thing. We'll get some clarity soon. Eh? Yes, we'll have more. Uh, the, one of the key bits of clarity we'll also get is from um, IATA, which holds its uh, annual general meeting uh, in um, June. Myself and this will be uh, assuming our flights are yeah. <laughs> operators planned. And we'll COVID tests. <laughs> and COVID tests will be, yeah. All the usual bits and pieces will be uh, at the AGM in which there, there'll be a fresh industry profits uh, outlook issued as well. And uh, we'll be doing a couple of podcasts from there as well. So um, look out for that. And one of the other key issues, uh, which is going to be discussed at, at the AGM, and um, which we're going to talk about after the break, is sustainability and uh, airlines' um, efforts to cut their emissions. And we'll talk about that shortly. This episode of the Airline Business Podcast is brought to you by GE Aviation. GE Aviation believes the world works better when it flies. That's why they're helping the industry shape the future of more sustainable flight by supporting development of 100% SAF to run in all GE engines. See what GE is doing today for the benefit of us all tomorrow at GE2NetZero.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not sign up for the free weekly airline business briefing delivered direct to your inbox every Thursday. You can register to get our weekly briefing together with any of Flight Global's other newsletters for free at flightglobal.com forward slash newsletter. Welcome back. And um, at the last AGM that IATA held, there was a landmark agreement, global resolution for airlines to get to net zero, reach net zero on carbon emissions by 2050. And that was a significant step because brought all the airlines together. And, you know, as everyone everyone knows within the, the environment, different countries, different regions, you know, they're, they're, they're working at different paces. So to get 
a um, collective agreement to, to reach net zero by 2050 was a you know a significant step which provided the framework for airlines to um, cut their emissions. But 2050 is some time off. And it, it's certainly not going to be achieved with, with a single step, is it? No, and the roadmap that the IATA put out with that resolution is a movable feast, I think, but, but ultimately contains a number of different factors that will contribute towards the net zero. And, and what um, what I think is being crystallised at the moment is while that was a, an achievement, as you say, but really there's a sense now that the, the tough work is, is ahead. And as you say, particularly in the short term, I'm talking the next five to ten years, the question is, what happens now and how do you well where are steps possible over that that time frame right let's be honest options are a bit limited at the moment it is yeah and it's definitely true that when I are to drop its roadmap and you know I to speaking to to Willie Walsh the um, director general uh, a few weeks ago he was sort of very clear that they wanted to come up with a credible plan which wasn't reliant on uh, technological developments mm. o- overly so so whether that's electric, whether that's hydrogen, whether that's a different form of propulsion uh, improvement that could happen. But the focus in order to have a credible plan is to start thinking about what can you do with what's available today. And, you know, one of the key focuses on that is sustainable aviation fuel, isn't it? Exactly. Because when you you think about you know, how airline fleet renewal works, you know, even if there was an amazing, amazing hydrogen breakthrough in you know, 10, 15 years time, which well, Airbus is kind of hoping to get, get there around that time frame, it's not going to be that suddenly airlines have got 50% of their, their fleets um, yeah, hydrogen powered. You, and when you're looking at 2050, suddenly it seems quite close when you're thinking in terms of fleet renewal. So as you say, it's really stuff and the credibility is so important, um, particularly when, as I say, the, the levers available at the moment are quite small. Um, SAF is, is a really important area and there are areas where there's it's been proven that progress can be made, and I think SAF is one of those areas. But at the moment, there's such a tiny um, amount available. You know, airlines are jumping on what's available, and yeah, there's an announcement the other day from United, for example, another deal for them. And yeah, available SAF does not hang around because there isn't much of it. Um, and you know, even under the more ambitious plans for how much the proportion of fuel you know, offtake that that it will that it'll be in the, the coming decade or so, you know, we're not we're barely getting out of the single percentages. So, but it is an area where you know you can demonstrate progress today, and it is an area if you talk to people as well that you know there is a thing that maybe it, it could be one where we look back in the future and the way airlines were thinking of it was being overly cautious, and that the industry really does take off quite quickly. So yeah, SAF is is, is a really big one, and I'm hoping that the age IATA AGM, I'm, I'm fairly sure we will hear SAF mentioned quite quite regularly because it is a, a lever airlines can pull. Because beyond that, it it gets a bit murky as well when you start talking about offsetting. And offsetting, I think, is, you know, the two things that can be done today, SAF and sort of pushing and developing that market, trying to create the market dynamics, which mm. create it as a sustainable business model for, for all players involved. You know, even that's going to take a little bit of time. Offsetting, that is the, the action that can be done today, mm. that is being done today. We're seeing it with the, the Corsair scheme. To some extent, that that um, there almost needs, you know, there's a double downing on it and almost adding more uh, kind of robustness to that, um, that those programs. Again, it is something that will get more and more scrutiny, I think, over time, particularly as we say over the next five to ten years, because offsetting, I almost view it as the kind of um, it's the fallback position if nothing else is available. And you talk to to airline chiefs and people 
you know, leading sustainability airlines, and they they, they always qualify any talk of of offsetting by saying, yeah, we we don't want this to be you know spearheading our sustainability effort, but it's something we can do today. But as you as you say, I think the quality of those projects is absolutely critical and will become more so. I mean, there, there's a certain group of people who will just dismiss offsetting, you know, and say it is papering over the cracks, and you know, ultimately it's not it's not reducing, um, in a sense, it's enabling emissions by giving you know giving airlines an out that doesn't address the fundamental issue. But I think quite reasonably other people will point out, well, if we don't do that, then at the moment there's only so much else we can do as we just touch on there. You know, there hardly, there's hardly any staff available. Plenty of airlines have been investing millions, billions in in updating their fleet with the latest technology. You know, arguably they'd have done that anyway without without the sustainability kind of shooting up the agenda. But you know, there, there aren't that many levers they can pull that really make a fundamental difference. So the offsetting's here to stay. We know that if you look at the EU ETS or Corsia on, on the international stage are kind of underpinning what I think airlines could do now. And as you say, the quality of those products, so making sure that the, the, the offsetting that's being done is actually into projects that do you know, reduce carbon and, and, and do do some good. Because it's when we talk about greenwashing, for example, um, I think airlines probably increasingly exposed to that accusations of that particularly when when other industries are able to decarbonize much more quickly over the coming five ten years i'm i'm seeing when i speak speak to airlines you know more at them taking a, a sort of a less passive approach and they want genuine customer buy-in we've seen it we're seeing it embedded much more in uh, into loyalty programs mm. into you know and this is all part of i think a, a kind of wider trend of trying to get this sort of alignment of thought with their customers because i think they recognize that the customers and passengers want airlines to mm. decarbonize as quickly as possible as well and be a kind of ethical choice. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about in the first half, I don't think there's any doubt that people want to, to fly it. And um, as this summer is proving, and, and yeah, as you say, people people do want that choice. And, and you know, you thinking about strategies for the coming years, I think that that engagement is important in giving customers that opportunity to offset their flights is and particularly when you talk about corporate customers as well not just talking about you know individual customers paying for flights this is um it's going to be a key pillar and the messaging is so important around that is that you know making sure it's, it's seen as part of the journey is no one in the industry will be saying well offsetting is the answer to this because we know that you know as we talk about SAF whether it's SAF hydrogen you know even the next generation of turbo fans you know we're everyone's working towards something Something better, you know, genuine reductions in um, in emissions. So, so yeah, it, it's going to be an, an, an important part of that. Um, but yeah, that, that whole messaging thing as well is is really interesting to look at how different airlines are approaching this. And I think there are some carriers that you could you know, view as being at the forefront and really trying to make the sustainability. And it's it's very hard not to sound woolly talking about this, but you're you're kind of making it part of what you do and everything. And what what you're also doing is kind of inviting your your customers to to engage with it. And and you know it's not entirely on the airlines to do everything with this. And I'm not just talking about clearly airlines can't do this on their own technology wise for example it's, it's it's a whole chain of things with SAF it's governments but it goes beyond that and it's um engaging passengers in things that they can do um you know to get the weight of the aircraft down for example
example, do you need two 25 kilogram cases on this flight? That kind of thing. You've got to be careful doing that because you don't want to make it seem too much like uh, it's all it's all down to the customers. But there is a level of doing. I think there's a way of doing that. I think an airline like Finnair is an example that probably does that quite well. It, it, it's um, talking to its customers about it. And it's not just about, oh, every six months, well, we need to do a quick marketing campaign on sustainability, or here's how we're better than everyone else based on these metrics we've conveniently chosen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there is a, a really massive challenge for airlines, but there is, there's, they've got to bring everyone on that journey with them. And not that things aren't progressing in uh, in the technology field. There's there's all sorts of work underway. One of them, one of the key areas is engine propulsion. I just point you in the direction uh, if you want to know more about the challenges and the progress of that. Uh, Flight Club has its very own um, hydrogen and electrics uh, webinar, which you can find details on the flyglobal.com website. It's on the 9th of June, but it's available to replay if you're listening to this after the 9th of June, which is entirely possible. And that will bring you up to speed with the various uh, moves around the potential for hydrogen, potential of hybrid engines and electric aircraft, which, you know, ultimately are going to paint that second uh, opportunity for um, for airlines to get towards that net zero growth. Yeah, I don't think, as we touched on earlier, that's going to be a big percentage. I think, you know, most technology there's going to be technology is going to drive the percentage of it, but you know, as I say, that might be the next generation of turbofan engines or yeah, everyone keeping the options open, really, on, on the more game changing <laughs> stuff. Is, is yeah, the, I guess the, uh, everyone's got plates spinning at the moment. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm sure lots of people have their uh, have their own bets on which would be the most promising. But the engine manufacturers are, are trying diff- lots of different things. The airlines are trying lots of different things, keeping keeping options open. And at this stage, it's we're in this ex- exploratory period, I guess. It is hard to talk about the industry as a whole in this the sustainability context because there are so many plates spinning. But what's interesting, you talk to some people that there is a desire in the industry as well that maybe for some common standards on, on, on sustainability. I think that's something to watch out for and it'd be interesting if that comes up at the, the IR to AGM because I think that would really help the industry. We see some airlines with a habit of, well, they'll try and claim they're more green than, a, than their competitors based on, you know, ASKs or whatever measurement they they choose but the reality is you know another airline could equally find another measurement what was interesting is like ISO standards we're used to an airline safety is an area where the industry is obviously clearly very good at um, having set standards that that everyone has to adhere to and can be measured by. I think what will be interesting is seeing if that develops over time. Because again, when we talk about the challenges of proving you're doing enough in the era of really tentative steps towards real sustainability breakthroughs, I think having a set of common standards that shows, you know, as a business we are achieving all of this. It may not be adding up to much at the moment, but we're we're doing, um, you know, all that can be expected of us or is asked of us. Then that that would help a lot. And I think that may be something we need to keep an eye on. Going forward, yes. Yeah. So, um, and I think that would be um, a big help for the industry, and I'm sure we'll see something on that at some point. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Another uh, thing that um, <laughs> we need to wait for, unfortunately, <laughs> though, when it comes to sustainability. Well, thank you, Lewis. We will, um, as I say, we'll have some special uh, podcasts which are coming around the IATA AGM, which is the uh, 18th, 20th of June. Something I like hope that. so, because I think that's when I'm in Dayline, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be, uh, so look out for some uh, special podcasts uh, around that period. 
Thank you, Lewis, for your time. Okay. Uh, that's all we have time for this time. Our thanks to GE Aviation for their support on making this podcast episode happen. You can find links to the stories we've referenced in the podcast notes, and you can keep up to date with all the latest on how airlines are faring in their recovery efforts at flightglobal.com. If you are interested in sustainability, we also have a new sustainable aviation-focused newsletter, which we are launching uh, later in June. This is available to get for free same address as before flightglobal.com forward slash newsletters if you enjoyed the podcast please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you again next time